the importance of self talk and affirmation comes in programming our subconscious and 90% of the mind is our subconscious of which we have no awareness but it is there and the same happens to our attitudes now where did this come from the subconscious has been programmed like that what is programming the subconscious our conscious inputs so what is important is that with the conscious mind if we can program our subconscious with positivity with affirmations this is episode number 102 of the inspiring talk with swami mukundananda Welcome back inside yet another episode of the Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. I'm really excited for my guest Swami Mukundananda. He is a world-renowned teacher of spirituality, yoga and meditation. He is the founder of the yogic system called JK Yoga, also known as Yoga for the body, mind and soul. He is someone who went to IIT and IIM and had a promising corporate career, but that did not quench his thirst for knowing the absolute truth. He renounced his career and traveled throughout India. is a sanyasi learning about the various religious traditions and schools of philosophy in india swami mukundananda has inspired people all over the world on the path of spirituality holistic health yoga meditation and service to society he has come up with a new book titled the science of mind management where he shares how you can win the inner battle of your mind and achieve success in life in this episode we discuss the science of mind management and how to manage negative thoughts we dive deep into spirituality and talk about how to balance material and spiritual world how to find the ultimate happiness in your life how do you delay gratification and a lot more i hope you enjoy the conversation let's get started welcome guys inside yet another episode of the inspiring talk podcast i am excited and honored to be joined by swami mukundananda ji today swami ji thank you for joining me on the show namaste vijay gautam ji it's my pleasure to be with you on your show great so swami ji you have been on this spiritual path for so long and you have written several books in the past and your new book coming up out there on the you know the science of mind management I want to jump straight with the question about thought. We have these constant streams of thought that we are going throughout the day, and especially with the time that we are in right now, a lot of people that I come across, the question that they ask me is, "Bj, how do I take care of my negative thoughts?" And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this podcast do have the same kind of thing that you know what? Number one, is it okay to have negative thoughts? And number two, how do I take care of my negative thoughts? Yes, Vijay, thoughts are so important. we try and adjust the externals in the hope that they will give us happiness but we don't realize 
it is not objects or situations but the thoughts that we are harboring within ourselves that are responsible for both happiness and distress that is why the philosopher mills had expressed it so nicely when he said the mind is a place of its own and in itself can make heaven out of hell and hell out of heaven so thoughts can make us happy and thoughts can make us sad not only that thoughts are the seeds for the actions that we perform we all wish to improve our work our activities but it all begins from the seed of that action which is the thought within now when we think about improving our thoughts we will realize that the whole of creation is striving to help us improve the quality of our mind and circumstances are not coming in our life without a reason they are exposing our negative thoughts to us and providing us opportunities to overcome ourselves to lift ourselves up that is why let us say that someone has this defect of angry thoughts within creation will keep providing situations for the eruption of anger to make that person realize that this defect i need to address it now that person may say my neighbor is bad and he shifts his neighborhood but he gets a similar neighbor there as well and finally when he addresses the angry thoughts within he finds that those obnoxious neighbors have disappeared so creation was striving to help this person overcome a particular defect at that time now when that was overcome now the next defect is going to be addressed in this way we are factually from a spiritual perspective where our mind is we are as elevated as our mind and that is why this mind is said to be the cause of bondage and the cause of liberation so the importance of improving the quality of our thoughts and mind is paramount in our life why negative thoughts are arising is we have not trained our mind we have mm. trained ourselves in physical activities we have established a whole lot of habits and created so many skills but we have not realized that training the mind is such a vital aspect of life very often when i go to mba colleges i tell the students there you are learning how to manage personnel finances machines marketing environments but have you learned to manage your own mind if not it is going to hamper your effectivity as a manager and that is why mm-hmm. manager start off by managing your own mind 
So we need, it's this management of the mind is also a science, like so many other sciences. Spirituality is not some kind of hocus-pocus that is disconnected from our lives. The material science is helping us understand external creation and how to harness it for our comfort and benefit. And there is Mm. a spiritual science that enables us to understand our inner resources, the mind and the intellect, and to harness them to manifest the divinity within ourselves. That is the importance of managing and improving our thoughts and mind. Yeah, I totally agree in the fact that you mentioned that, you know, the more you think about certain thing and you are attracting the similar kind of, you know, the example of nevus that you gave, right? And also, in a way, you are attracting the same kind of vibe on what's going on on your mind, right? So now you mentioned about you got to train your mind for the positive thoughts, right? So can you share on what are the some ways people can train their minds to think positive thought? Let's say somebody is having a series of negative thoughts without realizing that I'm having a lot of negative thoughts. And how do we, is there any switch that, you know, mental switch that you can use or any tools that you can recommend? Like it's now you are hitting that switch, mental switch, and then now you start thinking more positive thoughts. Is there anything like that? Or is there any way that people can do? Yes, definitely. Very often we think that our mind is not under our control. We think, oh, this defect is there within me and I'm not able to handle my thoughts. However, we don't realize that all of us have the inherent ability to control our mind in a moment if we so decide. For example, does anybody ever shout at his or her boss? They don't. Mm. No matter how much the boss troubles a person, the intellect tells the mind, no, keep your anger under control. If you went here, you're going to lose your job. So the moment Mm. the intellect realizes that anger is harmful to me, it controls the mind. That person doesn't speak up to the boss. He goes and vents his fury upon his subordinate. The subordinate keeps on listening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes home and vents it at his wife. The wife listens and she becomes angry at the child. So anger is flowing downwards always. What is the reason for that? The intellect has decided that to be angry here is dangerous for me. Let me give you another example. A little child complains that I don't want to study. His Mm. parents come to me, Swamiji, my child doesn't study what to do. I ask him, what's the matter? He says, uncle, my mind doesn't remain in studies. It's a big problem. The mind does not like to study. But the same child goes in his year-end exam. And for two hours, he brings his mind into razor-sharp focus. 
and then goes on answering the questions in front of him. Where did this control come from? It was the higher self which controlled the lower self. So this mind mm -hmm. is partitioned into two, the mind and the intellect. That intellect is endowed with the ability to control the mind if only it decides. Why is it that we are permitting ourselves the luxury of negative thoughts? Because we don't realize how harmful they are. We say, you know, it gives me pleasure to indulge in all this negativity. It's a kind of uh, masochistic pleasure. But nevertheless, it is so nice to think about how terrible the situation is, etc. And the day the intellect becomes convinced, such thoughts are harmful to me. Such thoughts will serve no purpose. We will find like a switch, suddenly that mind has become controllable. Not a hundred percent. But to some extent, yes. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but so when we say intellect, e, intellect knows that this thought is harmful, are we talking about awareness here? It is the conviction of the intellect, the understanding or the knowledge, not merely theoretical knowledge, but realized knowledge based on beliefs. So you see, mm. this is where the importance of beliefs comes in our life. Beliefs are practically the guideposts that are guiding us in our journey of life. Somebody has developed the belief that money is the most important thing. And his whole life is veering in the direction of money. Somebody else developed the belief that to cultivate my inner wealth is the most important. And that person is reading and receiving such inspirational literature and talks to improve from within. So these beliefs are what? They are the decisions in our intellect that we hold. So that faith is such an important thing in our life. If the intellect becomes convinced that these negative thoughts are bad, it will control the mind. Awareness is another aspect which is also required. So what we are saying is awareness is different thing and the knowledge of intellect is different thing, right? So awareness is being aware that I'm being, let's say, angry. And uh, intellect, with that, you mean that if I be angry, then this is going to be the outcome. And this is now a rational mind playing in on your head. Right? Definitely. Awareness would come first. Without awareness, mm. there is no scope of improvement. So it all mm. has to start off with awareness. My thoughts are negative. And then will come the next step. What do I do with it? Do I continue or do I change? So awareness is also important. That self-introspection, self-analysis that enables us to come in touch with our own defects and our own virtues. So a bit earlier, you mentioned about the desires, right? And also in your book, you talk about how desires and a lot of these, you know, you call the anger, envy, greed and desire is uh, 
manas rog or mental illness right um and the core of this originates from the desire right the desire to have something in the life right so now my question to you is how does one balance changing something but there needs to be something that you know somebody they want to change right either they are changing material thing or they are we we all are changing something in a way right so we are all running after one thing then how do you balance let's say still living in the world in the material world and also being on the spiritual path how do you balance make this balance i know i mean you get you know asked this question often but and also obviously without you know being yogi like you are how can we as a regular people imbibe the spirituality in our life and then balance it with the material world as well okay desire has been pointed out by all great saints all the philosophic and religious traditions now in the buddhist philosophy it is all built around the elimination of desire and desire is mentioned as the root of all misery and why is it expressed in this way because when we create a desire it can have two consequences either it is fulfilled or it is obstructed when it is obstructed it results in anger so anger does not come by itself anger is the consequence of an obstructed desire and what happens when desire is fulfilled the moment it is fulfilled it goes away for a little while and comes back with redoubled intensity so fulfillment of desire leads to greed so the sacred books and the sacred personalities around the world have told us that if you create these desires you will get caught between the trap of anger and greed and the reason we are creating desires is in the hope of happiness but that happiness keeps on fading further and further and further away so initially you think okay if i become so rich i'll be happy a millionaire but then when you have a million the desires have increased further now you want a billion to be happy and when you have a billion then you want to be richer than bill gates and jeff bezos so there is there is no, no end it is like uh, the mirage that we are chasing and realizing this the futility of desires we wish to give them up but your question is that we don't want to become yogis and sadhus and living in the world how do we handle this state this goal of desirelessness so the simple solution is you don't have to eliminate desire you merely sublimate it if you had a desire to achieve something to earn wealth for yourself now you sublimate it let me earn and serve the lord and humankind with that wealth so you have replaced a lower desire by a higher desire desire per se is not bad the harmful desires are pulling us down if we replace it with good desires the desire to serve the desire to enhance our knowledge the desire to improve ourselves from within these desires are most beneficial so it is a misconception to think 
that spirituality means becoming devoid of desires in fact the saints have such tremendous yearning for the supreme and to serve the supreme mm. that they're willing to do sacrifice anything for that sake they were not desireless and how do we mm. balance these out practically in our life this is the principle of karma yoga so karma yoga mm. means you do your karmas and stay in yoga from within so everybody is doing their works everybody has their occupation their profession the problem is it's being done in an agitated state of mind the mind has got anxiety fear attachment greed karma yoga says you don't change anything on the outside if you are a doctor mm. you carry on being a doctor but change your thoughts change your consciousness and change the intention with which you do these actions that is why in the bhagavad gita before listening to the gita arjun was a warrior after hearing the whole philosophy of karma yoga he was still doing the same duty what had changed was his inner consciousness so if this mm. is the principle of karma yoga now who is a yogi we think somebody who can do chakrasan or who can do mayurasan or the headstand is a yogi but the bhagavad gita tells us yogi da karma kurvanti sangam tyaktvatma shuddhaye a yogi is one who can do the most intricate kind of works without experiencing the least decrease in equipoise from inside that yogi may be administering mm. a huge kingdom we've had instances of this in the past of dhruv prahlad ambarish etc in history they were great kings and while discharging their worldly duties internally their minds were calm peaceful and connected with the divine so this art of karma yoga is something that everybody in the world can learn and benefit from so what i hear you say is even if you are doing the thing that you are doing right now connect that to the higher purpose see how you can be of service to others and then so are we saying that just share you know if if it's a wealth then share it with others and do it for the well-being of other other human being or you know do it goodness for the people on the planet right so connect it with the higher purpose and uh, raise a bit of the consciousness is that what you're trying to share that is one level of understanding that previously we were doing everything just for our sake and now we have found a higher purpose mm. so our activities are motivated by that passion of a higher purpose however it is not just serving others people serve others just to accumulate name and fame so the activity is not the mm. point the intention behind the activity the inner thoughts is the important mm. thing the when when we purify our intention that activity automatically becomes auspicious for everyone for all of creation so uh, mm. 
Hmm. So serve so without, without expectation is fifty percent of. It. So the expectations were for our happiness, mm-hmm. and now we say, okay, now serve without expectations. Mm-hmm. Now you have accomplished half the journey, and then there is a second half as well. Mm-hmm. The second half is do everything as an act of service. Please the divine with it. Let me tell you a story to illustrate this point. Can I? Sure. Okay. There has been a great. brave and valiant king in indian history called uh, chhatrapati shivaji he had a spiritual preceptor samartha ramdas mm-hmm. who was a renunciant a sadhu so samartha ramdas once entered his capital and came in front of his palace on the street with the begging bowl in his hand saying bhiksham dehi bhiksham dehi shivaji was standing on his palace veranda and he felt extremely embarrassed that i am the king and my guru is begging on the streets mm. he was motivated that i need to correct this he scribbled something on a little piece of paper and ran down and placed that chit in his guru's begging bowl when guru ji opened it and looked he smiled shivaji had written my Kingdom and everything that's in it, I am offering it at your feet. So he thought, now my guru will never need to beg again. Guru Dev smiled and he said, "Look, my child, I don't beg because I have need. It gives me an opportunity to come in the midst of worldly people and share a few words of wisdom with them. You have given me your whole kingdom. Now do one thing." i am putting it under your custody rule it but with this consciousness it is not mine it belongs to my guru and to god and do your duty as a service to the divine so when we start doing our works in this consciousness i am doing it for the pleasure of the supreme for the benefit of human kind that intention behind our works helps us become a karma yogi all right so that's a lovely story there so bit uh, moment back you mentioned about happiness and you being someone who have been to iit who have been to iim and you have taken the corporate roles in your life and then you know you left all of that for to find the ultimate truth thirst of knowing the absolute truth right so and now that you know it's been years since you have you know been in this journey of finding this truth how would you define happiness vichay the search for happiness is the universal common search of all human kind we may be doing so many kinds of activities mm. but behind it all is the pursuit of happiness and that is why where we decide happiness lies is so important so as youngsters as little children we felt that happiness means to have pleasure to enjoy to be entertained but then a stage comes when you find that this is not fulfilling enough and you want a deeper kind of satisfaction hmm that deeper satisfaction does not come from the objects of enjoyment 
it comes from finding meaning and purpose in our life. And that is where this question why comes up. What is the purpose of my life? So this is what set me off on this track as when I was a student and postgraduate, I was doing MBA. And for some reason, maybe past life sunscars or whatever, these questions became so important. What is the purpose of my life? And that set me off in search of the truth. What is the absolute truth and helped me connect with the Supreme. Mm. So to answer your question is one kind of happiness which you enjoy and it's finished. Mm. And there is another kind of happiness that you experience within yourself Mm. as the fulfillment of your soul. Mm. The first kind of happiness, chasing it, pollutes the mind. It kind of drags our consciousness down. And very often it creates a sense of guilt as well. For some unknown reason, we feel guilty. Why did I enjoy this? Mm. But the other kind of happiness, the inner happiness, there is the more you have it, the more it lifts you up. Mm. And there is no limit to it. It is, it's like a fountain that is ever increasing. Mm-hmm. But that is the happiness of our real self. From the spiritual perspective, we are not material personalities. Our mm. body is material, but we are spiritual beings and we are having a material experience. Mm. So that spiritual self, which you can say is the soul or the Atman or from whichever culture or tradition you come, its happiness is also spiritual. Mm. And that spiritual happiness, when we taste it, then we feel that there is nothing as sweet as this. Mm. And that the, the search for that happiness is what lifts people up to holiness which helps them dedicate their lives to noble causes and achieve huge things in the service of humankind. So it really fascinates me. You see, what is it that we want? Like the one thing that we want and it's happiness, right? Even though, you know, we say maybe the big house or the car or vacation and all of that. And if we really look closer, then we all are, you know, running after happiness. And here you are, saying that that happiness is never going to come from all the material thing that we are going to chase because there's always going to be something that we're going to chase and that's going to completely shift. And I think, you know, they call it, they differentiate it is saying that pleasure and, uh, you know, happiness, where happiness is the state of mind, where pleasure is something that you attach to something, uh, you know, outside and happiness is something that's within, right? Now, how can we tap into that happiness? Is there some understanding that needs to happen or is there something that you'd like to share on how, you know, normal people, again, I'm referring normal people because obviously I'm assuming that a lot of listeners who are listening to, to us, uh, you know, would not probably be on the journey to become sadhus and stuff, but how we can tap into that happiness within ourselves. <laughs> Vijay, it's so nice that every time you qualify <laughs> explain it to normal people. Well, if I was explaining it to sadhus like myself, I would have said, find happiness by knowing God. Uh, But to boil it down to simple 
everyday life answers that we can all relate to. All of us have these two urges, which mm-hmm. if we pursue, it will result in divine happiness. The first is we wish to do good and meaningful work. Mm-hmm. We all want to see that our work is making a difference. Maybe to one person in the world, maybe to a lot of people. I like to give this example of a woodcutter. A social researcher, he did an experiment and he came to this woodcutter and said, I'll give you double the salary. Will you work at my lumberjack farm? The woodcutter said, I'm interested in money. I will definitely work. So he said, okay, come on Monday. He reported to his new job. His, the new employer gave him an axe and said, you are going to hit this tree with the axe. Only thing is, you will not have the sharp edge of the iron head in front. You will hit with the round side. Mm. He said, but the tree will never get cut. Mm. So the researcher said, doesn't matter. You are getting your money. Why does it bother you? All right. He started off. Now, for a few days, he was doing it from nine to five. But on the fifth day, he came and threw the axe at the feet of the researcher and said, I resign. Mm. The researcher said, I'm giving you twice the salary. Why don't you want to do this job? He said, it is no fun. Mm. I need to see the chips flying, right? So similarly, you are putting in effort in your podcast. What gives you the satisfaction is when people get back to you and say what a difference it made to their lives. Absolutely. That is the chips flying. Mm. So we all want to do the best we can. That is one thing. And the second, we wish to be the best that we can be. No matter how good we may be, this Yearning still remains. I need to be a better father, Mm. better brother, a better husband, a better wife, a better human being, a better engineer, a better doctor. So there's an auto script written in our soul that is pushing us forward, that is telling us you still have not become as you are destined to be. So when we strive to be the best we can and do the best we can, that is when we feel the best we can. And that is the way to be truly happy from within. That's so beautifully explained. Thank you so much for that explanation. I loved uh, you know, both of those uh, things that you have shared there. Uh, so I'm going to switch a little bit of a gear here and talk about, you also talk about delayed gratification on your book. And uh, in this world where everything is just a click away, and this is something that I often ask my other guests as well, but I haven't asked somebody who can give the spiritual perspective to this, to the delayed gratification, because all the things that we have with the, at the tips of our fingers today, that's training our mind to have the instant gratification, right? It's training right. our mind and telling us all the time that you can have whatever you want within minutes, or maybe, you know, you order today, you will get your product delivered tomorrow. Or, you know, you order your food today, like it's going to be in front of you in half an hour. Or you just upload a picture and then you are going to get feedback within seconds in the form of likes and comments and, you know, shares and whatnot. 
Now, while we have this overwhelming amount of input that we are getting, which is training us to train our mind to have that instant gratification. And on the other side, for you to accomplish any meaningful thing in your life, something worthy celebrating in your life, it's you always have to you know delay the gratification and you have to think from the long term, right? So right. how can one you know, get amidst of all of this training that we are fed with all these, you know, uh, the, the age that we live in and still develop the delayed gratification. Yes, the Upanishads have explained it very beautifully. Mm-hmm. They say there are two kinds of gratification. Mm. One is named prayer and the other is named shreya. Mm-hmm. So prayer gratification is that which seems like nectar in the present, Mm. but it turns into poison later on. So when we want our third helping of ice cream, it definitely seems like sheer ambrosia. But when the cholesterol goes up and the waistline increases, then you realize how terrible it is. So that happiness, which is sweet in the present, but bitter later on, is prayer. And then there is the other kind of happiness, Shreya, which is like poison in the present, but it turns into nectar later on. Mm. So when you decide that I need, I'm inspired by the talks I've been hearing on the inspiring podcast, and I will now wake up at five in the morning to do my practice, it seems so terrible for the mind. It's like poison. But Mm. when the benefits come in future, it becomes like nectar. Mm. That is why there's a saying in Hindi, Amle ka khaya or bado ka kaha baad mein pata chalta hai. You know, the amla is the Indian gooseberry. It has the vitamin C of 12 oranges and it's rich with antioxidants. So if you Take that one amla every day. You are insulating yourself, building up your immunity. Mm. But the catch here is that the amla is so bitter to taste. The mother offers it to the child. Mm. And the child says, this is awful. I don't want it. And the mother says, look, my child, the advice of the elders and the benefit of the amla, you will realize later on. And hence, the struggle happens. The struggle is intrinsic to human existence. Mm. We have got these two natures, the lower nature and the upper nature. Mm. The lower nature wants instant gratification. Mm. And the upper nature wants a meaningful life, wants self-improvement and higher goals. What is necessary here is to develop the virtue of self-discipline, of self-control. The more we can develop our willpower or our self-control, the more we are able to bring our life into focus. Mm. So all the vices All the defects in life, they are related to lack of self-control. Whether it is overeating or insincerity at work or lack of exercise, etc., etc. And that is why 
if we realize this we start practicing now interestingly will power or self discipline is also like a muscle hmm. the more you exercise it the better it will become so when children come to me and say swami ji how do i develop my focus in studies my mind keeps on wandering i say you know what every time it wanders you bring it back every mm-hmm. time it wanders bring it back again the more often you do it just like the biceps and triceps are strengthened you will strengthen your self discipline from a spiritual perspective you understand it like this there is the mind and there is the intellect mm-hmm. so the mind is like a little child which mm. wants gratification right now it doesn't care whether it's good for me or it's not and the intellect realizes that this is not in my interest now the it is up to the intellect to develop control over the mind that mm. mind is not going to come under control easily but with effort with practice with knowledge and dedication we can that is why the bhagavad gita says look your mind can be your worst enemy but it can be also your best friend hmm. if your mind is not controlled it will work to your worst detriment hmm. but if you master the mind and make it your servant it will become your best servant Well, I think that's again very beautifully explained. I love the way you have explained the whole thing about instant gratification and the delayed gratification. So before I move to the another segment called uh, enlightening round, I would like to ask you this one, you know, one more question on accomplishing the goals and uh, you talk about affirmation and visualization these are the modern terms right so from the ancient wisdom or the you know scriptures that you have had in the past so how can we take that knowledge of reading mantras every single morning the way our grandfathers and people who lived before us used to do and then you know use that for you know achieving our goals and dreams in the world today like how we can use that affirmation and is there any particular technique that you want to share with people what makes it more impactful okay the importance of self talk and affirmation comes in programming our subconscious so we feel we are aware of our mind but what we are aware of is only a fraction of the mind the conscious mind and 90% of the mind is our subconscious of which we have no awareness but it is there mm. so for example somebody is fearful of closed spaces he has claustrophobia mm. you know a person was telling me that he went for mri and every time they would like to take his body into that chamber he would faint unconscious mm-hmm. he would start sweating but this is the claustrophobia mm. now how did it happen was like this for example when he was a 3 year old child he got stuck in an elevator for a few hours that was a conscious experience that he was aware of at that time now after a few months the memory faded out from the consciousness but it remained in the subconscious mm. so the moment that situation arises the subconscious throws out the fear 
factually, 90% of our behavior throughout the day is coming from our subconscious impetus. Mm-hmm. We are doing things out of our habits, out of our programming, out of our conditioning without even realizing it. And the same happens to our attitudes. Some people are habitually pessimistic. Some people are worrisome. Now, where did this come from? The subconscious has been programmed like that. Mm. What is programming the subconscious? Our conscious inputs. If we repeatedly tell ourselves, I am good for nothing, I cannot achieve it, the subconscious will say, the boss has told us that we are good for nothing. Hmm. Whenever a situation comes, it will create an attitude of pessimism, a defeatist attitude. So what is important is that with the conscious mind, if we can program our subconscious with positivity, with affirmations. Now, modern self-help coaches realize this aspect and they emphasize it to people as well that think of abundance, think of graces, feel gratitude, tell yourself, speak to yourself positively. But in our ancient tradition, this was given the the form of chanting of mantras and names mm. of God. Yeah. So, For example, the saints and the scriptures said, with every breath, you chant the name of God, Radhe, Sham, as you breathe in, as you breathe out. What is going to happen? Your subconscious will become divine. Mm. It will be filled with divine love. And when that becomes the state of your mind, your every work will start getting motivated with love. Your inner aspiration will be, I wish to love, I wish to serve. Your, the way you look at the world will change. The way you look at people will change. So that is why these ancients, they gave us the system of repeating mantras to ourselves as the most powerful way of programming the subconscious. But if you wish me to continue, you said that Swamiji, is there something that can make it even more effective? Yeah. Yes, there is. And this is visualization. Hmm. Now again, visualization is a technique that is being emphasized in modern times. There are two aspects to visualization. One is process visualization, and the other is outcome visualization. In visualization, we use images. Mm. The nature of the mind is such that it relates to images more than words and sounds. Mm. That is why the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words, right? When we learned anything, the first time we identified a car, we were shown a picture of a car and we were told this is a car. But that is how our mind has learned to function. And images have a deeper impact upon our mind than mere statements and words. So in the sports arena, sports people, because they need peak performance, 
where a fraction of a second can make a difference between a gold medal and a silver medal. So to achieve the peak performance, they utilize imagery. In other words, two kinds of things. First is process imagery, process visualization. Before doing the service in tennis, mm. they visualize themselves doing it. Mm. Now, when they keep that image in their mind of the opposing court and the ball falling there and allow it to sink into the subconscious. Then the subconscious gets into play mm. and it starts controlling the thousands of physical and mental processes involved in the activity. So the world's best golfer ever, Jack mm. Nicklaus, he says, I never hit a shot without first visualizing the entire trajectory and it falling into the hole. Mm -hmm. So this is the utilization of imagery. Mm. In fact, modern science has discovered that when we practice something physically or when we just imagine ourselves doing the same act, mm -hmm. the, the neural activity is exactly the same. Wow. That is why there's a saying in English that you swim in the summers, but you learn swimming in the winters. Mm. Now, again, I have dovetailed this in a spiritual way. And I've explained in my book, uh, The Science of Mind Management, how to utilize imagery to achieve your supreme goal. Mm. So if your goal is that I wish to develop love for the Supreme. I wish to meditate on mm. that higher self. Yeah. And when people engage in meditation, they find, oh my God, this mind is so restless without end. But then a simple technique. So this is what I teach. It's called Rupa Dhyan meditation. Bring a divine image in front of you. Mm. of your worshipable form of the Lord or whatever you connect with, whether it's a symbol across the moon or whatever. Mm. The moment you have that divine image, your mind gets a basis to rest upon and a basis to love. Mm. So this is the Rup Dhyan meditation. Practically, I whenever I conduct a meditation class, before I start off, I ask, how many of you have tried meditation? Mm. And about 98% lift their hands. Mm. Then I say, how many of you succeed in meditating? <laughs> and then about 3-4% lift their hands. Say, okay, now we'll do meditation my way. It will be mm. a guided meditation. Mm. And I say, it will be a 15-minute meditation. All of you close your eyes. And mm -hmm. then I take them through a visualization process. Mm. And then I ask at the end, okay, now how many of you succeeded? And usually I've never in the last 25, 30 years had less than 70% of the people saying they succeeded. Mm, wow. so this is utilizing visualization to program your subconscious in wow. a spiritual manner. Awesome. So you mentioned about that video. Is that uh, available on the YouTube channel, which we can probably put link for our audience on the description. So if they want to try this one as well. Definitely. We have quite a few uh, meditation videos as well on yeah. my YouTube channel. Great. So I'll just put uh, the link to this particular meditation that you're talking about, the Roop meditation 
and maybe you know the listeners who are listening to this want to try this out even though we have done uh, a special episode for the meditation a couple of weeks back but yeah so that would be great now i want to jump into the next section called enlightening round this is like a kind of a rapid fire kind of a thing i would expect that uh, you know you would give shorter answer to the questions that i'm going to fire at you are you ready for this what is the time limit for my answer <laughs> so i mean there is no time limit but uh, you can be all right you can try to you know give the answers you know maybe a couple of sentences yeah okay i this is the first time i'm doing a rapid fire <laughs> so i will try to fulfill the spirit of it yeah yes. so i hope i'm not uh, you know shaking swami ji's peace here <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. i'm always up for a I'm challenge just, yeah no i'm just kidding all right so um what inspires you to do everything that you do it is my love for my spiritual teacher he taught me he trained me and he empowered me on the path of service mm. so i feel gratitude for all that he has given and i feel it my duty my opportunity and my privilege to do all this because it will please him and thereby please the supreme So Swami ji which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your journey if you have to pick one daily habit it is the practice of the presence of god mm-hmm. just perceiving god in the temple but learning to realize his presence everywhere and with me at all times mm. and that help change the conscious beautiful so what would be the best piece of advice that you have received maybe early in your life the best piece of advice you know then i will speak from the point of view of a sadhu mm-hmm. <laughs> the best piece of advice that i understood was that i am not the body mm-hmm. i am the soul mm-hmm. and that soul is a part of the supreme soul so just like the constitutional position of this hand mm-hmm. as a part of the body is to serve the body mm-hmm. and in that it automatically receives what it needs mm-hmm. in the same way as a part of the supreme my constitutional position is to serve the supreme and it is in serving the lord that i'll find the happiness and satisfaction that i'm looking for wow i i just love that uh that that's just so beautifully explained so you definitely must have made peace with anything that all your beliefs and stuff like that but still i would like to ask this what was that one wrong belief you have held for the longest time in your life about yourself if there are any yeah, yeah i i believe in instant change mm-hmm. so the moment i realize that something is wrong mm-hmm. you see when people ask me that why did you take sanyas mm-hmm. so i said the moment i understood that i am a servant of god and my job is to serve him i immediately took that action mm-hmm. so i don't at least in my conscious awareness hold any wrong beliefs mm. but i may be wrong i must be humble enough to it <laughs> sure so what do you want to be remembered for i really don't wish to be remembered i wish to do the best that i can we all have our duties in this world and i have had the privilege of receiving divine knowledge and my duty is to spread it and distribute it to the maximum extent possible because i truly and completely believe that this knowledge is tremendously auspicious for everyone and my job is 
how much can I distribute it? And to how many people can I reach this knowledge in the time that I have available? It has been a great having conversation with you, Swamiji. I have one last question that I want to ask you. But before I ask you that question, I would like to acknowledge you for sharing your wisdom with the world. And also, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show. And for the listeners who have been listening to us for almost past one hour, I highly encourage that you guys check Swamiji's new book, The Science of Mind Management, where he goes deep into scientific aspect of it. Also, he goes into the spiritual aspect of it so that, you know, you get what the science is saying. Also, you get the spiritual perspective as well on managing your mind, taking control of your mind so that you can accomplish what you wish to accomplish in your life. I absolutely loved the read, Swamiji. And, you know, I'll put the link on the chat box for if any one of you would like to pick that book up. I highly recommend that. So Swamiji, if people would like to get in touch with you or maybe learn more about your work, what would be the best possible way? Vijay, I think they can connect online. First of all, they can visit our website, which is jkyog.org, and they will get further information from there, or else they can write to my team at deskofswamiji at jkyog.org. That's deskofswamiji at jkyog.org. Great. So here's the last question for you, Swamiji. Imagine that you are standing on a stadium and this one is the largest Now you are has... making me do Rup Dhyan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so yes. Imagine that you are on this, you know, uh, stage of a stadium, which is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And... Uh, this stadium has got millions of people who are there and you are on the stage and people are very curious to learn and hear what you have to share. And you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your message? We need to understand three simple things. The first is, who am I? Understand, you are not this body made of matter you are the divine soul. The second thing you need to understand is that your soul is not separate from all of creation. It has an eternal relationship with the whole of creation and the creator himself. So understand that relationship of yours with the supreme. And the third, how to develop that relationship by cultivating loving devotion within yourself that is selfless divine love these three pieces of knowledge will automatically transform your life in a wonderful spiritual way this has been a great conversation swamiji thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much vijay it was my pleasure speaking to you appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your Instagram story. When you do that, don't forget to tag me at the rate Bizet Speaks. You can access the show notes of this episode by visiting the Inspiring Talk dot com forward slash one zero two 
Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.